Toasted Fiction Theatre presents a no-nonsense production of Parahandi. With a red beard, a hard, round felt hat, ridiculously out of harmony, with a blue pilot's jacket and trousers, and a seaman's jersey. With his hands immersed deeply in those pockets our grandfathers used to wear behind a front flap. He would have attracted one's notice even if he had not been singing a long-forgotten sea song. Young Monroe, he had an ocean boat to sail across the sea. By that sign. And he left his true love weeping all alone in Grookey. that sign. And by a curious gesture he had, as if he were now and then going to scratch his ear, and only determined not to do it when his hand was up, one could tell that he was one of Macfarlane's. There were ten Macfarlane's, all men. A passer-by might say to the vocalist in the hard hat, I think you ought to know you. You're the McFarlane. Either the beacon or the kale or the nipper or keep dark or para-handy. Oh, sure as death, I'm just para-handy. And I ken your name fine. I, I just can't mind your face. Para-handy might then regale one with tales of the most uncertain steam lighter or puffer that ever kept the old new year in upper lock wine. The smartest boat in the trade have sailed for, for four years over twenty with my heart in my mouth for fear of her boiler. Oh, if you ever saw Fatal Spark, she's all holed with boiler behind. Three men and the engineer are the crew of her. Oh man, she is a beauty, she is just sublime. She should carry nothing but gentry for passengers, but the owners just spoil her and rub the paint off her with their cargoes of coals and sand and windstone and rubbish like that. Is it not common knowledge in the West Coast shipping trade that her boiler is apt to prime? That's a damned lie. Her boiler never primed more than once a month. If Doogie was here, he would tell you himself. She could go like the clappers. I have heard it put at five knots. Five knots? Show me the man who says five knots and I'll make him swallow the hatches. Six knots. Six knots, many the time, between Skate and the Otter. And if Doogie was here, he would tell you himself. But I'm not bragging about her sailing. It's her looks, man. She was smart. Every time she was painted and tarred, I would put on my Sunday clothes. She looked just sublime. The intrepid mariner might, if the audience were attentive, and whiskey was in plentiful supply, tell one of the many tales of his voyages. Before passing on these tales, it is important to know the crew. Doogie, the mate. Sonny Jim, the cook and winchman. And MacPhail, the chief and only engineer. Parahand is apprentice. 
Our tale begins with the owner of the vital spark, one Mr. Andrew Campbell Esquire of the Campbell Shipping Company, Glasgow, sending for its intrepid captain. Pepper Handy duly oiled his hair, washed himself with hot water and a scrubbing brush, attired himself in his best clothes, and went to the office in a state of some anxiety. It's either a rise in pay, he said to himself, or he's heard about that night we had in Campbellton, or oh, that's the worst of it, hijinks, that I stootin' back and hitting you in the nose. Oh, if it's no a sore heed, you've lost a pound note, and if it's nothing you've lost, it's somebody clipin' on you. However, when Pera Handy arrived at the owner's room, he was agreeably enough surprised to find that, although there was no talk of a rise in pay, there was, on the other hand, no complaint. Well, I wanted to see you about Peter, as my eldest boy, Alec. He's tired of school and wants to go to sea. Oh, does he? Does he indeed? Ah, dear, ah, dear. Poor fellow. Ah, but he's young yet, though. He, he'll, he'll maybe get better. I'm vexed, Peter. I'm anxious that that boy of mine will run away someday on a ship. He's just the very sort to do that kind of thing. Oh, dear, oh, dear. And I want you to help me, Peter. I'm going to send him on one trip with you. And I want you to see that he's put off the notion of being a sailor. You understand? I don't care what you do to him. So long as you don't break a leg on him or let him fall over the side. Give it to him stiff. Give it to him stiff, you say? Ah. Well, tell me this and tell me no more. Is he a boy who reads novels? It's very daft for them. Just that. I think I can cure him in one trip. Excellent. And he'll no be hurt either. Even better. I'll send him down to the Vital Spark on Wednesday. Champion. Oh, and Peter, if you manage to stick him with the idea right enough, I wouldn't say but there might be a small increase in your wages. Oh, sure, but there's no occasion for that. On Wednesday, as arranged, a boy of about ten years of age, with an Eton suit and a Saturday to Monday handbag, came down the wharf in a cab, opened the cab door hurriedly, and almost fell into the arms of Pera Handy. Are you the apprentice for the fatal spark? Your name will be Alec. Yes. Are you its captain? That's me right enough. Give me a hand of your portmanta. And taking the bag from young Master Campbell, Perahandy led the way to where the vital spark was lying with a cargo of coals that left her very little free board. All of her crew were on deck, eagerly awaiting developments. I'm sorry we have near a gangway, but I'll hand you down to Doogie, and you'll be all right, uh, so your braces no give way. What? Is that the boat I'm going on? The captain was naturally a little irritated at the boy's outcry. Yes, <clears throat> yes, and what's wrong with her? The smartest boat in the trade. Ah, uh, stop you till you see her going round that lament. Yeah, cold boat. It's, it's very wee. I never thought father would apprentice me on a boat like that. Aye, but it's a beginning. Uh, you'll, you'll just start your sailing in some way. 
There's many a man on the bridge of Atlantic liners the day that began on boats no bigger than the vital spark. If you don't believe me, Doogie himself will tell you. Here, Doogie, catch a horn of our new apprentice and watch you don't dirty your clean collar with your horns. So saying, Perahandy slung the boy down to the mate, and ten minutes later, the vital spark was coughing her asthmatic way down the river, bound for Tarbot. So, Master Alec, what would you say to something to eat? No, thank you. Ah, oh, you're a fine, high-spirited boy. A growing boy needs all the meat he can get. I'll uh, tell uh, Sonny Jim to boil you an egg, and you'll have a cup of tea. The boy reluctantly took the tea and the boiled egg, and thought regretfully that life at sea so far was proving very different from what he had expected. Watch that rope, and see you know dirty your collar. It would never do to see an apprentice wear a dirty collar. Where are we bound for? Ah, good long trip. As far as Tarbot, and back again. You'll be an able seaman by the time you come back. And will it get wearing brass buttons? Brass buttons? exclaimed Parahandy. No, they're out of date at sea altogether. It's nothing but hooks and eyes nowadays, and they're far less trouble to keep them clean. Can I start to climb the mast now? Climb the mast? Never. It would dirty all your horns, and I see a sure rain coming. There's nothing worse than a young sailor getting damp. Away you go down below, and I'll give you a roar when the rain's past. Alec went below, bewildered. In all the books he had read, there had been nothing to prepare him for such coddling on a first trip to sea. It rained all afternoon, and he was not permitted on deck. Jelly pieces were sent down to him at regular intervals, and Sonny Jim, under strict instruction from the captain, was continually boiling him eggs. Alec vaguely felt some dreadful indignity in eating them. The climax of the most humdrum day he had ever spent came at night, when the captain insisted on his taking gruel to keep off the cold, and on his fastening his stockings around his neck. Alec was awakened the next morning by Sonny Jim, standing at the side of his bunk. Says I get the breakfast in bed. Sit up and take this and have a nice slight sleep to yourself. But it's like to be raining all day and you can't get on deck. Surely I can't help, said the boy, exasperated. I'm not learning much seaman sitting lying here. But you might get your death a call. It'll be a nice light job you'll have nursing you. Jim turned to go on deck, but then turned back when he remembered an idea that Para Handy had given him. Maybe she'd like you see a newspaper. We could put a Sean Byband for you to keep you from wearing. I wouldn't object to comic cuts. Alec was finding the whole illusion of life on the deep slipping from him. But comic cuts did not come down. Instead, there came the captain with a frightful and familiar thing. Shipmate ahoy! Oh, you'll be frightened that you left your school books behind. <laughs> but we sent for them, and here they are, he said, unbuckling the strap and pouring the unwelcome volumes onto the apprentice's lap. Have I heard of an apprentice sailor taking his school books to sea with them? 
spat the schoolboy. Who ever heard of anything else? What do you think a sailor doesn't need any education? Every apprentice has to keep going with his Latin and Greek and bills of parcels and height of Ben Nevis and the grammar and all the rest of it. It's what they call navigation. Now, if you have the navigation, where are you? <laughs> well, just that. Where are you? And the nature knowledge. There's nature knowledge too. Oh, as a boy at the nature knowledge, I was just sublime. I would study the nature knowledge every day till my head was sore with it. Just you take your books, Alec, like a good sailor and wire into your navigation and nature knowledge and I'll be the bridge for you all the sooner. There were several days of this unromantic life for the boy, who had confidently expected to find the career of a sea apprentice something very different. He had to wash and dress himself every morning as scrupulously as he ever did at home for Kelvin Side Academy. Indeed, Para Handy even went further and sent Alec back to the water bucket on the grounds that his neck and ears required a little more attention. Several hours each day were ostensibly devoted to the study of navigation, which the boy was disgusted to find was only another name for the lessons he had at the academy. He was not allowed on deck when it was wet without an umbrella. And it was in vain that he rebelled against breakfast in bed, gruel, jelly pieces, and never-ending boiled eggs. Finally, Alec exclaimed, If this has been a sailor, I'd sooner be in Sunday stew! Ah, you're doing splendid. A high-spirited lad will make a sailor of you by the time we're back at bowling. If you keep your health, Ah, it's a pretty cold night, so away you go down to your bunk and Sonny Jim will be doing with a hot water bottle for your feet in a minute or two. Back on the Clyde, the vital spark was not three minutes at the wharf when her apprentice deserted her. Para Handy went to the owner's office with the boy's school books and a Saturday to Monday bag. I don't know how you managed it. He's back yonder this morning saying a, a sailor's wife's a fraud and he wouldn't be a sailor for any money. And by the fairness of him, I should think you fed him pretty well. <laughs> Just that. Sonny Jim would be boiling an egg uh, now and then. Advice to a boy is not much use. The only thing is for kindness. Just kindness. If I was wanting him to keep the boy at the sailor, in it, I would have taken the rope's end to him and he would have been a sailor just to spite me. Remarkable. Now, th there was uh, some talk about a small rise in pay, but... <laughs> all right, Peter. I've told the cashier. The captain of the Vital Spark went down the stairs, beaming. <laughs> You have been listening to, as the narrator and Andrew Campbell, yours truly, Kevin Janitz. As passerby, Sonny Jim and Alec Campbell, Karen McVitie. And as the master mariner himself, Per Handy, Stuart Phillips.
This episode of Toast's Fiction Theatre was adapted and produced by No Nonsense Productions from a story by Neil Munro and was performed by Kevin Janitz, Callum McVitty and Stuart Phillips. Please check out No Nonsense Productions on Twitter and Facebook at No Nonsense Pro and check out their website www.nononsenseproductions.co.uk And now for the bit that everybody loves at the end of a podcast. This... <laughs> This series of the podcast is produced by series creator Chris Patrick, that's me, and Ross Patrick, yes, we are related. You can subscribe to Toasted Fiction Theatre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts, and we host the podcast on Anchor FM. Please support the show by subscribing, sharing the podcast with your friends, or leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts. Any review, any rating really helps boost the podcast and get it in front of more people. You can also help support the show through our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Toasted Fiction Theatre. Just chuck a pound in. If everybody chucks a pound in, that would be grand and it means we can um, keep producing the series um, and keep bringing you more episodes and different kinds of stories and we'll put towards doing live shows when we can do live shows again. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Toasted Fiction Theatre. And you can get in touch with us via email on toastedfictiontheatre at gmail.com. For more information on Toasted Fiction Theatre and other work by Chris Patrick, still me, including books and sketches, for which there are plenty, head to www.chrispatrickwriter.com. There's a bunch of books on there. There's loads of sketches. Um, anything that I do will be on the website. And if you enjoy that stuff, that's great. Thank you very much. Um, and you can you can enjoy it all there. So that's it for this episode of Toasted Fiction Theatre. Thank you for listening, and till next time.